Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The finals are upon us. Tatum, Curry, Brown, Thompson, Smart, Wiggins, Horford, Poole, Celtics, Warriors. You can bet on all of the NBA Finals action with betonline.ag, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up using the link in the description to this episode. Bet Online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take It. Easy Podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is, wait, what day is it? Let's see. It is Monday, June 13th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count. But we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever you may be listening, because it's also not June 13th at the time of this recording. Um, So I guess this is where we're going to kick off the podcast anyways. So we'll also talk about Live Golf, and we'll play our Jimmy Garoppolo song coming up later and all that stuff. But uh, I am graduating from college this weekend, and so... As of Friday, which if you listen to Friday's episode, it was the uh, talking about the Tampa Bay Rays and their Pride Night thing and the LGBTQ plus rights and, and that story that took 40 minutes and a lot of like writing out and detailing that I really enjoyed doing. That was the official line of demarcation of the fact that I have gone three years, all of college, because it started after I graduated high school, three years posting a podcast every single day here on this podcast feed five days a week sometimes a sixth podcast on the weekends sometimes two podcasts in a day sometimes a radio show there's been all sorts of iterations but true to the very beginning of this show a podcast every single day here on this podcast feed we were really bad then we developed the skills to record a podcast then we developed nuanced opinions and were able to dissect stuff further and a lot of it was just for practice of course and like developing this skill but we have over 950 podcasts here on this feed and that doesn't even account for the 50 plus dsd podcasts we did and the 50 plus radio shows we did at open talk radio and all the segments we've done with juju over on the slump buster podcast we've done with walter mitchell podcasts i've produced for walter mitchell On this feed specifically, we've had over 950 episodes recorded, and I made it through all of college recording a podcast every single day. And because I'm graduating college, I needed to record this podcast on Thursday the the 9th, 
Yeah, Thursday, June 9th, I had to record this podcast. So if some major event happened over the weekend, this is the scandalous part about doing a podcast like this. If a major sports moment happened over the weekend or there was a major event in the world, I apologize, we simply don't know about it. The biggest breaking news story right now is Cooper Cup getting $75 million guaranteed from the Los Angeles Rams, even though Cooper Cup is older than Odell Beckham Jr. And... That's the big story right now. So if, if something crazy happened over the weekend, whoopsie daisy. It's why I didn't call this memes of the weekend, because literally the weekend has not happened yet. It would be like saying, here's the memes of a weekend without actually going through the weekend. So yeah, I'm graduating college this weekend. By the time you're listening to this, or if you're listening to this on Monday, I am on my way to San Francisco for Game 5 of Celtics and Warriors. I have no idea what's happening game four at the time of recording, but by the time y'all are hearing this, we've done a game four post-game show that you can check out right above this, probably on the podcast feed. And I'm not going to the game in San Francisco. That would be one hell of a graduation gift is getting $2,000 tickets to go to game five of the finals. No, just going to hang out around San Francisco and be around the vibe of the NBA finals. But I live an hour away, no school, it's a nice little trip over, game five of the finals, go to a Giants game, maybe I'll go to a Giants game instead of watching the actual NBA finals, but we'll have some sort of content around that, and I just, by the time you're listening to this, that's what's going on with me, so I just wanted to, to kick off the podcast here, kind of rambling like we're doing here, and just talking about podcast memories, because it's been three years, and 18 months worth of it was essentially in a bathroom and in a in in a room that was just kind of a quarantine space for a lot of the time when we had lockdowns and all my school was online from March of 2020 until September of 2021 and that was uh, about a fifth of my or I guess it would be four quarters plus a summer so half of my college experience was obviously online, and that gave a lot of time to record podcasts and practice honing this skill and and things of those sorts. And, you know, three years later, thinking back about everything that's happening, it it gets a little nostalgic because of all the the work and the torment and the torture that went into that and not having a lot of human interaction and and recording podcasts, regardless of having the human interaction or not. Because if people remember back in 2019, the earliest, earliest days of the podcast where it would just be me going outside at 6.30 in the morning and talking into a shitty microphone on my on my headset, or I guess my um, my headphones, talking into a shitty microphone on the headphones for 30 to 45 minutes a day about whatever the sports world was talking about. And honing skills a little bit there, but it took getting into the pandemic and that second year of really knowing what I was doing to actually start honing this skill and having it be something professional that could could be carried over into a larger audience or a larger scale and we went through losing instagram pages and different platforms and sponsors and all kinds of shit like that and making creative projects and all kinds of stuff like that and it's just a lot of fun just a lot of fun in hindsight and i know it wasn't always fun in the middle and i've dedicated thousands of hours now to this craft over over three years which is building out an expertise slowly but steadily but 
I just, I really enjoy doing little things like this because it, it takes me back to like with Martez and we were doing all the, the open talk radio stuff that we were simulcasting here and 2020 pandemic stories and writing blogs and talking about each individual NFL team and just putting way too much emotional stability into the NFL by the end of it. But it was fun in the moment to do all that stuff. And then realizing that I don't have to take myself seriously and take all this stuff seriously and just gaining perspective helped a lot in life. Just having a broader perspective, not just when we talk about like broader societal issues within sports, but the thing that this podcast and this pandemic and these three years of college helped me kind of realize is, I mean, one, all of this shit doesn't matter, but I kind of knew that in, in the forefront, but like really honing in that idea that there are bigger picture issues than sports. I tell people this story all the time, especially in the mini TED talk that I give about my spiel of unlearning things in college was I was never a healthier person than when sports went away in my life. I was waking up consistently at the same times every day. We were recording fun podcasts. We were building relationship out with Blake Jude because we've been doing podcasts now for like two plus years and it's so great to have that as a platform too, but I was just so much healthier. I was working out every single day. I I mean, I was emotionally distraught because of the pandemic and like I was in a difficult place right before that happened, but and really, really insecure. If you hear some of those old podcasts, there's a lot of insecurity and just kind of like repeating things that I hear other people say. And that was that was partially practice. Like a great way to practice this is just repeating the takes of other people sometimes. And then eventually it helped me develop critical thinking skills and ability to discern and dissect my own podcast segments, which were really just conversations that I was trying to have. And so I just realized that sports didn't matter in that way. And I think that's the thing that I'll take away biggest as a lesson from this is one, I told myself, I mean, I remember watching a video where it's like, if you work an hour on something every day, think how much skill you'll have after a year. And now here we are after three years and it's like, wow, I'm really good at this. This is something that can develop. And I mean, obviously we have a, a platform and a sponsor that have picked us up, but this is something that can blossom and develop further into something greater where you shoot for the moon and support dreams and whatever else kind of stuff that we talk about. And, you know, it's just really, really cool to have that and really, really cool to hear that. And I'm fascinated because... I think that this sports realm that we talk about a lot, it means a lot to a lot of people and it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And that's, I, I was, I'm kind of like getting off track from the main point. Like I was so healthy during the pandemic and it was so overwhelming when all the sports came back and the 2020 football season was so overwhelming that perspective was just really helpful in just advancing and always recording podcasts, some good, some bad, some great conversations with people. I love the people that we've met through this podcast and consistently talk to all the time because they're really great friendships, even if I haven't met most of these people. And even if some of the people live in other countries, like our friend, the, the Colts Talks on Instagram, who we talk to almost every week during that 2020 football season. He's from Mexico and Morgan from Australia and people from Ohio and Texas and you know, Gage Bridgeford over in Indiana and 
it's just people I've never met before, and it's fantastic to have those relationships with people and, and just have this weird camaraderie around sports and develop chemistry. And it's something that I didn't think was achievable at the beginning, and it took a while of like trial and error. Because I was, I, like, that's kind of what happens sometimes when you're just throwing out content into the universe and seeing what sticks. It's like, ah, oh, this one sucked. I mean, there's a couple of them that I think of the worst podcast we've ever done. But it's like, ah, oh, this one sucks. We'll just, you know, throw out another one tomorrow or throw out another one on Sunday or throw out another one on, on Tuesday. And learning, I mean, having the time to do creative projects and learning how that works and doing songs because I love that creative energy of storytelling through satire and sarcasm. Obviously, I ran a meme page for four years. I love comedy through sarcasm and being smart and witty and growing that skill through voice and was really important because I just wanted to be an effective communicator as someone who just said growing through voice which is not a real English sentence I just wanted to be also an effective communicator and developing that skill over three years and saying every single day do something just practice the skill every day with something was was what I really wanted to emphasize and all this stuff is just like a lot of pride and emotions kind of just bubbling up as you reflect on what the last three years are, not just in the podcast space, but like me as a student, me in emotional maturity, me as a leader. These are all things that I value, following my dreams, listening to my gut, learning to be emotional, learning to break off of trauma from childhood, like all this stuff as it relates to the podcast, I, I probably haven't shared enough of that in, in bearing my soul, but also like as much as it's me talking on a podcast a lot. You guys, whatever, 20, 30, 40, 100 people who really support this podcast, you guys only know me so well. And sometimes it's a voice and sometimes it's based on opinions and thoughts become an identity. But like, it's really interesting how when I think back on this rinky dinky podcast and it's, you know, whatever platform it is, it has or however many people tune in, like just thinking about that in hindsight is like this goal was achieved. This mindset evolved over time. And I'm really glad that we've gotten to this place. Maybe bearing your soul and being more personal is something that develops as you become a more effective communicator and as you have more things to develop and maybe that's a shortcoming of the podcast maybe we we didn't develop enough charisma and character around this and maybe the conversations with chemistry that we have have gotten to know some of our people a little bit better as i make dead mom jokes with morgan from australia and all that stuff like i i find it fascinating how there's so much more to experiment with and at the same time, like the trial and error of learning how to communicate and trying new things and having a pandemic to rethink things and write things and do stuff over years of effort is interesting because I've never had something like that. And part of it's just youth, but part of it's also what my childhood was like. I've never had something like this that's concrete, that's my own, that can be shared into the universe. It's what the Instagram page at Comical Sports Memes was before we lost it and that's that's why it was distraught I was distraught for a while after the fact even if we still recorded podcasts every single day because that's something that's grounding of like this is still me this is going out into the universe whatever else you, we, we say about it I'm interested by that because I've never had a space like that where it can exist like this weird little universe that exists on an RSS feed. And it's small, and, and in the grand scheme of things, it's not that important. It's just 
interesting that it's mine and it's interesting that I've been able to develop that over time and I'm still going to record every day because at this point why wouldn't you continue to record every single day it, it also keeps you grounded because it shows that you can keep advancing within this space even if it's 15 hours a week or you know 10 hours a week or however much time we commit to this thing like I'm really interested by how it all will develop i don't know if this podcast is the the golden ticket to whatever sort of i don't i don't think this is the golden ticket to you know achieving all the dreams but it's a step in that direction and i'm really interested to see how it keeps developing as we keep advancing and keep creating new podcasts and gain more perspective and and hopefully stay in the strong mental state that we're in right now because there's just a whole lot of beaming pride and I talk about this with my friends. I've never experienced more joy and happiness and and pride and love and trust anywhere in my life up to this point. And part of that includes this podcast space because we've really got a good flow going with the podcast. And I can talk about things that really bring me interest. And when I have time, we can concoct long-form stories like we did last week with the Tampa Bay Rays and creative projects like documentaries that we're going to start to work on and release every uh, during the summer and little just little projects like that bringing back a radio show um going to work producing radio and things like that that will again like be the next step of developing dreams i don't know exactly if this podcast is the end game result but having it and having the space to just keep talking and doing little things like this and building chemistry with really good friends that we've developed over here is is a cool space to inhibit so very happy very excited and I'm very excited for what the future holds, and I'm feeling nostalgic about what the last three years have been, as these last 20 minutes may indicate, rambling-wise. Another thing, it's I, I can't cry. It's a weird thing. Oh, real men don't cry. I express the emotion of crying just without the tears coming out. It's something that I've tried breaking over the years. I do it sometimes, but it's hard even in moments of real joy and real genuflection. Like, you, the, the feelings of choked up don't even get there. I've feel myself crying tears of joy in the way that I express it, but it's not actual tears coming out. That happened actually yesterday when I finished my last final and I was just laughing as I was biking along and it it was a cool little experience to have. And I I just thought that was all very uh, spectacular and fun. And uh, some of those emotions are just, uh, just popping up right now. Just, just a little popping up real quick. Uh, just little little deep invoking emotions are are coming up right now as we finish up this fun little genuflecting after three years of podcast uh, podcast content podcast three years of creativity I guess I don't know achieving a goal moving to the next phase whatever it is it's it's got me choked up just a little bit I'm appreciative of all of you who continue to support our dreams even if our dreams are really dumb, like recording parody songs for Jimmy Garoppolo's trade request that has somehow gone on for six months, uh, and doing it to songs from a 1993 movie that very few people probably remember was the theme song for that movie. Garoppolo Drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change. 
If you don't throw check downs, you're gonna take a sack. Jimmy G is warming up, yeah, he's your quarterback. No, don't throw it. Interceptions drive us all insane. Phones are calling. Ron Rivera wants to make a trade. If a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up. They got your quarterback. They say he's smart, and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding, talent's what you lack. Trade two picks for Jimmy G. Now he's your quarterback. I just realized now that we're like four months removed from that song being created back in, I think it was either January or February. It was like right around Super Bowl week, like right after the 49ers got eliminated. But like now that we're like four and a half months into the Jimmy Garoppolo trade saga that I thought was only going to last like three or four weeks. Uh, when I made the line, Ron Rivera wants to make a trade, it's because I assumed Ron Rivera would go after like Jimmy G or Matt Ryan and end up being Carson Wentz. But the rookie QB was also in their plans. So they, they you know, there's obviously the line, if a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up. They got your quarterback. Uh, yeah, so a rookie QB was in, in Washington's plans and also in uh, trading for Ron Rivera did want to make a trade. Ron Rivera wanted to trade for Carson Wentz instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. More expensive and uh, yeah, probably about the same quarterback. So great ironies now that everything has played out in uh, what we thought was going to be the case back in January. We have a weekly Jimmy Garoppolo update on Mondays, most Mondays, some Mondays, last couple Mondays, we've had uh, some basketball to uh, cover, Game 7s, Game 3s, or I guess Game 2s, Game 7s, Game 2s, Game 3s, Game 4s, all the basketball on all the Mondays. But this week, we have a Monday Game 5 of the NBA Finals, so we can have our Jimmy Garoppolo update. The only update I have is that Jimmy Garoppolo was excused from mandatory mini, or not mandatory mini camp, just from uh, OTAs. W was he excused from mandatory mini camp? Let's see. Uh, yeah, they were excused from uh, mandatory mini camp, and uh, so was Baker Mayfield. So Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield excused from mandatory minicamp. The Baker Mayfield thing is interesting, and this is just a weird side tangent. Like it looks like Baker Mayfield's gonna be holding out like an entire year of NFL football like maybe it's to get his body right nobody's gonna trade for Baker Mayfield unless like their star quarterback tears an ACL sometime in the next few weeks or I guess few months even 
but it looks like Baker Mayfield's going to like be on the bench for an entire season. I don't know if there's ever been a situation like this before. Obviously, it's because of Deshaun Watson getting traded for, and that type of quarterback is never available and never facing that level of unprecedented suspension. So maybe that's part of it, but nobody's going to take Baker Mayfield, and the Browns aren't going to eat like majority of his contract for him to go play elsewhere because the the thing that's interesting about Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield is like the inverse situation Baker's contract is already fully guaranteed Jimmy Garoppolo's contract is not at all guaranteed so if they cut Jimmy Garoppolo they get all 25 million dollars back it's just Garoppolo holds value right now and in part because his his shoulder is injured they're just not trading him at this point and maybe he ends up in Carolina maybe he ends up somewhere else maybe he ends up on the Niners for the entire season all they're valuing is short-term cap space and they don't have players to actually give that short-term cap space to now could they have given a bunch of one-year contracts out during uh during the free agent period this last year yeah 49ers probably could have given out a bunch of one-year contracts, kind of like what the Colts do, and and improve the roster instead of just having that be dead money. Even if there's not a ton of great players you can get with one-year contracts, just I'm I'm just surprised that that was the uh, the route, the path of least resistance, shall we say, for the 49ers was to hold on to Garoppolo and hope someone takes the the bait because they might have to eat some of the money to make a trade. They might have to guarantee him some of the money and they have to pay for it to get his salary down because no team has $25 million in cap space, just as very few teams who need backup quarterbacks have $18 million in cap space at their disposal. It's why everyone was talking about the, the Browns having to attach a pick to go get uh, another player or to trade Baker Mayfield they would have had to attach a pick because it's 18 million dollars in cap space and no team has an opening for a quarterback who's actively trying to win so yeah Garoppolo's not at training camp Baker Mayfield's not at training camp it looks like Baker Mayfield's going to be riding that bench for an entire season possibly Jimmy Garoppolo at the very least is coming back from soldier surgery. So we've got three more months to continue playing this amazing parody song that we made, which makes me so happy because I've already gotten like nine times more usage out of this than I thought I would. I thought I'd only get to use it like four or five times and then it wouldn't be useful and I'd spend three hours on it. And now we're getting close to using it for like three hours of podcast content. Garoppolo drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change. If you don't throw check downs, you're gonna take a sack. Jimmy G is warming up. Yeah, he's your quarterback. No, don't throw it. Interceptions drive us all insane. Phones are calling. 
Ron Rivera wants to make a trade. If a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up. They got your quarterback. They say he's smart and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding, talent's what you lack. Trade two picks for Jimmy G. Now he's your quarterback. So, for our final segment here today, I wanted to talk a little bit about Live Golf. Because Live Golf is, for those who don't know, the Saudi Arabian backed golf league, quote unquote golf super league, shall we say, that has started this weekend. They hosted their first tournament. And they have been slowly but steadily poaching big names off the PGA Tour because they simply have a shit ton of funding from Saudi Arabia because their initial intentions are not to make money. Um, while ultimately they'd like to make money in the long run, part of their incentive for spending large amounts of money is as a way to legitimize the Saudi Arabian government through a concept we like to call sports washing. And we've talked about sports washing before in the past, especially when it comes to like the Qatar World Cup and the Olympics being held in Beijing this last year, and all of that stuff, where I've talked before about how this was the the tipping point of where I didn't want to watch the Olympics anymore. This year, I did not watch any of the Olympics, or I guess it was this past year, 2021 or 2022, but specifically the 2022 Olympics, because of the way that the Olympics were being used to cover up Uyghur genocide Uyghur Muslim genocide in China and the um, putting them in concentration camps and uh, human rights abuses by the Chinese government. The, the International Olympic Committee chair gave a very pro-Chinese propaganda speech at the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games. I assume something similar happened at the closing ceremony, although I don't know exactly how that worked out. And I hadn't liked the Olympics for years, so that was just the tipping point on, okay, I'm not, this has changed my decision from watch to not watch. I wasn't going to watch very much anyways, this was just a point of, let's specifically not watch so that we're not giving financial support to NBC by watching their commercials, and NBC paid, you know, billions of dollars to broadcast the Olympics in America, and all that stuff. So, specifically avoiding that because of sports washing and because of human rights abuses in these countries and the Qatar Olymp or the Qatar World Cup that literally brought FIFA's entire governing body into a criminal investigation many of these people went to crime went to jail for bribery 
they went to prison for bribery in 2014. But hey, Qatar already got the World Cup, so you know what? We're going to host the World Cup in Qatar and kill... It's the Slave Cup because we're killing thousands of migrant workers in Qatar to build these stadiums in degrees, in temperatures that can reach 120 degrees in the summer, and, and thousands of workers from other countries who cannot get access to their passports are being transported into Qatar for labor and possibility of death and, and unsafe working conditions, and then some of them die. Eventually, they get paid the higher wages, and then they can go back to their country, or they can't go back to their country. Just general human rights abuses across Qatar, uh, one of the worst countries in regards to human rights records. And they've killed thousands of people building soccer stadiums for a World Cup that they can't even host in the summer because it's simply too hot to host a World Cup in Qatar. So they're going to do it around Thanksgiving 2022. So that is the concept of sports washing. How this applies to live golf is the Saudi Arabian-backed Super League has a lot of blood money being poured into this and they're able to poach PGA Tour professionals off of the off of the PGA Tour and offer them sometimes two times, three times, four times and depending on the how big the names are, sometimes like five times their potential earnings on the PGA Tour as a way to incentivize like in the case of Dustin Johnson losing your 40 million dollars in sponsorships and no longer being able to play on the PGA Tour. But Dustin Johnson factors that in when he gets a guaranteed $125 million to play on this live tour. And Bryson DeChambeau's getting close to $100 million to play on this live tour. And Kevin Na is getting $15 to $20 million fully guaranteed to go play on the live tour. And Phil Mickelson, who you may remember, walked into the mess of saying the, the quote to Alan Shipman, Yes, the Saudi Arabians are scary dudes. I, I don't have the exact quote, but he's like, they're scary dudes. They kill journalists with bone saws, and they um, have a terrible record on human rights and women's rights, but it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to change the way the PGA Tour is shaped, and I am so deep inside my own ass that I think that is the highest priority for taking blood money from the Saudis. And in the case of Phil Mickelson, we now know $200 million dollars in blood money for Phil Mickelson, in part to pay back his gambling debts, but that's also the way that Phil Mickelson is swinging this as a public relations victory, which is, hey, I know I, did, I messed this up in the past. I know I went into hiding while my public relations team figured out what to do next. I know I was the first person through the wall and we're going to accept blood money from Saudi Arabia. But it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape the PGA Tour, and $200 million is $200 million. So you know what? I'm joining the Live Tour at 51 years old. Tiger Woods was apparently offered close to a billion dollars from the Live Tour. They have over a billion dollars in funding before they even get to Tiger Woods at this point. And it's under one giant Saudi Arabian trust. Basically, money pooled together by the Saudi Arabian government, and it is one giant trust that essentially pays for all of these expenditures by the Saudi Arabian government. They purchased uh, Newcastle United, uh, the, the um, soccer team, semi-recently, and they own, I believe it's Manchester City, who is now one of the bigger soccer clubs in the Premier League. So they own multiple English soccer clubs, and 
now are creating this golf league as an alternative to the PGA Tour. And the PGA Tour announced that they're banning the players who leave the PGA Tour. You can't go play. Well, that was something they calculated into this. They calculated the possibility of even not being allowed to play at the PGA Championship anymore. And which obviously the four majors matter more than like the PGA Tour itself, especially because like, I think it was like Dustin Johnson had made a career $75 million total playing on the PGA Tour. And I don't think that includes his Masters victory, but maybe it does. But you have, in terms of names that are over in the Live League, you have Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, Kevin Na, Sergio Garcia, Brandon Grace, Charles Schwartzel, Ian Poulter, Patrick Reed recently jumped over, and of course, Phil Mickelson. And this is, I think, the first tournament that, that was being hosted in London, I guess starting today, but by the time you're listening to this, is already over, had a $20 million purse which is larger than even the Masters by like $8 million. The winner gets $20 million, which is a larger prize pool than the Masters. And they don't even have a television partner in the United States. They're just streaming this on their website and streaming it on their YouTube channel and streaming it on social media channels. This is pouring money and this by the way this is how a lot of businesses get started is pouring exorbitant amounts of money in taking losses for years and then eventually you become profitable and the reason a lot of businesses collapse is because they can't keep pouring funds into their startup business and it eventually collapses and you file for bankruptcy etc etc you can go years without making money. It's why it's so difficult to be an entrepreneur because you need financial backing on the front end because you're going to lose a lot of money. In order to make money, you have to spend money. And they're spending a shit ton of money to try and put the PGA Tour ultimately out of business. And maybe that's not their end objective. Maybe their end objective is we are attempting to rival the PGA Tour and uh, or, and as a secondary, our, our secondary objective is to rival the PGA Tour. Our first, um, our first objective is to legitimize our government and legitimize our operations on a global scale. I, I remember seeing that WWE makes about $50 million per event they hold in Saudi Arabia. I think they've held like seven now, and it's like $350 million in money for the WWE as Vince McMahon tries to sell. But there's a great John Oliver piece that talks about this and the conflicts of sports washing and going into Saudi Arabia. And you guys can check that out as well for like deeper detail on sports washing. He's also done a bunch of stuff on the World Cup. And, and the bribery there. So if you want deeper intellectual analysis than I, those are the places to go for talking about sports washing. But perhaps the primary objective isn't to put the PGA Tour out of business. Perhaps for a while it's not to make money. In the meantime, you can legitimize the Saudi Arabian government by putting a whole lot of money in there. And by the way, if you want to know how Saudi Arabia has so much money in the first place, Saudi Arabia is a large country with a huge percentage of the stake in global oil reserves and a lot of international governments including the united states do business with saudi arabia including the united states uh, selling guns to saudi arabia sometimes in exchange for oil by the way saudi arabia the comp the country that helped fund 9-11 so there's all kinds of conflicting parts of this 
And Saudi Arabia has such a stronghold on global, or not a stronghold, but a large percentage of global oil markets that they have power that they use on other governments in similar types of situations. And so this is all the conflicts around live golf that have probably been talked about before. And Greg Norman's getting paid like close to $300 million to run this league, I think, and be the front face of this. And he's a famous old golfer now. And Jack Nicholas was also offered, like, I think he said reported like $500 million to be the face of this project. And he turned that down because he helped build the PGA Tour and wasn't interested in, in his 80s taking blood deals with Saudis, possibly, and whatever moral conflicts were helping get into that price range. But this one is also interesting because if. The if the and I'm not saying this is the best way to go about it. If the majors wanted to step in and ban live golfers based on moral principles, they could absolutely do that and just kind of bail the PGA Tour out, and that creates all sorts of conflicts too. Because then we have concerns about monopolies in the United States and, and having like not like criminal corruption, but like crim like corruption in the sense that the PGA is asking these people to bail them out in order to keep them in business because the Saudi-backed league just has way more funding than the PGA Tour does. And they're also trying to pick off amateurs as well and give them quote-unquote tour status and get paid way more than they'd make on salary working for the PGA Tour. And it's not a profitable endeavor, and they're spending money to legitimize their country and possibly build a viable business over time. And it's working in the way that we've talked about the Live Golf League while emphasizing the Saudi Arabian blood money. It's also just making golf less interesting. And the reason it's making golf less interesting is because, for me, I'm watching these players leave and automatically they're the people I think are the most like slimy type of golfers or like morally objectionable golfers. If you've seen any, like I just learned about this semi recently, but like Dustin Johnson is like a big outspoken Trump guy and does not really give a shit about some of his controversial opinions that he posts on his Twitter. And a, a big part of why he's willing to like take the money and stand in front of him and say like, hey, you know, I know it's a little bit of blood money. I mean, he doesn't say this exactly, but I know it's a little bit of blood money, but it's it's a really good deal. I'm doing what's best for me and my family. Got to, <laughs> in the Latrell Sprewell way, got to feed my family with that $125 million. And Dustin Johnson cares less about public perception. We know Bryson DeChambeau does not give a shit about public perception, or social pressures as much as the average person. And so it makes sense that he's defecting over to the, the Saudi Arabian League. And I wonder how much Bryson DeChambeau is getting paid by Live Golf. Let's see. Uh, New York Post reporting he's paid over $100 million. I'm doing the, the Dr. Evil thing right there. Hundred Over $100 million for Bryson DeChambeau, $125 million for Dustin Johnson, $200 million for Phil Mickelson, $50 million for Sergio Garcia. And this is where sports washing comes into play because they just have infinitely more resources than the PGA Tour has. And over time, if they're willing to keep spending, will poach these players from the PGA Tour, at the very least create two distinctly separate golf leagues. 
And golf is a sport that can withstand that because you don't need to have the best players in the best league. But there was also the report today that Alan Shipman, I guess today at the time of recording, it would be a week from now by the time you're listening to this, but Alan Shipman, who wrote the Phil Mickelson book, was escorted out of a press conference for Phil Mickelson at the behest of Greg Norman based on a video of Greg Norman literally standing right behind the guards or the security guards who were escorting Alan Shipman out of the press conference. And that is some anti-free speech bullshit because Alan Shipman obviously has a personal issue with Phil Mickelson. It's They don't have to give the media passes respectfully, but it's setting a really rough precedent if freedom of speech is going to go out and freedom of press more specifically. First Amendment, combine it all together. If we're going to toss that out the window, it's okay. It's a private organization. I understand at your behest. It's also just morally and ethically compromising in so many different places. And it just feels so gross. And I just point to it in the same way that I pointed to the Olympics earlier of like, I mean, I'm already not watching golf except for the majors. This is just something that feels gross because it's a lot of rich, overwhelmingly white people. I know Sergio Garcia is Spanish, but, and, you know, Charles Schwartzel's from South Africa, but white South Africa. I don't know exactly blood ties, but so it sounds like a whole lot of white people saying to hell with morals and ethics. And when you see that, that's usually a red flag that goes up is we're going to take money at the expense of morals and ethics. And sure, people in power do that all the time, especially white men do that a lot because it's what white male privilege is. And it's not at the same time where I'm like, this is bad because you're taking blood money. These are circumstances that are out of people's control. And at a certain point, you can buy off anyone. And what the Saudi Arabian backed golf league is essentially saying is we can pay off people. We can pay off their moral objections. And I'm at a price where I can be bought. All of us are at a price where we can be bought. As much as we say you can't put a price on X, Y, or Z, there is a price somewhere. It might be unreasonable for people, but ultimately something is worth what someone is willing to pay for it. And Saudi Arabian-backed league is getting in on the front end with billions of dollars in funding to build out this golf league and guaranteeing a lot of money to DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson and Sergio Garcia and Brandon Grace and Kevin Na and Ian Poulter. And it's like, okay, these are names that you know in golf if you follow it, but I just it just feels dirty and gross. And, you know, maybe over time it'll be the one league that takes the, the mantle from the PGA Tour. I think the more likely scenario is two separate sports leagues in golf which I don't know if that's sustainable because the television dollars, but the Saudi Arabian-backed league is basically saying, yeah, we're cool with it. We'll pass on television dollars for now. We don't have a TV deal. We expect to get one in the future because we have to prove our legitimacy, just like legitimizing the Saudi Arabian government might be part of their main objective. And I'm just looking at it like, oh, it's all kind of gross. It's all kind of yucky. And similar, I mean, it's it's human rights abuses in the same way of China. And obviously, I say this before, it's impossible to not be hypocritical in a capitalistic society. There are places where my hypocrisies are going to come up, just as there are hypocrisies with everyone. These are things that are way out of control beyond just the common person who's trying to be a moralist. There's going to be hypocrisies, there's going to be developments, and there's going to be new thoughts around this. And I'm just watching all that, and it just just feels gross. 
just feels gross watching the Saudi Arabian League blow up the way it is. And I know it's called Live Golf, and I know Greg Norman's behind it, but it's like they have a strategy. I don't know if it's the best strategy, but I don't know what the best strategy is to uh, to create a new golf league. With, I mean, you have to have just so much money being willing to pour into it. And it's the same thing that I think is silly, like pouring tons of money into golf, pouring tons of money into wrestling, pouring tons of FU money into football, especially college football, where the FU money is just all over the place. And now it finally gets to go to labor that for, I guess, 100 years has been uncompensated. Like, at least that's a step there, but it's just all really gross it's a lot of fu money going to a lot of people who, you know, apparently have value because people have deemed it to be that valuable. But I guess it's just part of the legitimacy of building a sustainable league that will eventually make money. And it's really interesting and also really gross. And I'm not going to watch it, but I wasn't going to watch the PGA Tour anyways. It just makes it to a point where it's like, okay, we're going to like escort journalists out of press conferences and we're going to take blood money from from governments that ha- that have terrible human rights record and terrible women's rights record and execute gay people and I, I, Phil Mickelson's words not mine they they execute gay people and bone saw journalists like okay i mean america does some of the fucked up shit too but it's not as as transparent as some of that stuff and at least there's a semblance of freedom and democracy and rights and it's just tears to this thing that all feels gross and trying to be a moralist around this one is just really dumb because it's golf and golf already is an elitist sport and it's already really really dumb it's just like defending the the billionaires on the pga tour it's the same thing as football like we joked about this with morgan where it's like the the Roonies are allies in the NFL because they are willing to hire black people and actively put black people in positions of power. That is the standard that we're pointing to. It's the allies we have. It's not the allies that we want. Like the PGA Tour is not necessarily the greatest ally in this respect either, but the tactics that the Live Golf League are going to are just so gross. And, you know, Greg Norman's resorting to name-calling, which, like, okay, I I get the theatrics of it. When we're talking about, like, Rory McIlroy has been brainwashed by the PGA Tour, it's like you're really dipping into some deep conspiratorial stuff and preying on people who don't really understand all of the nuances behind what your government is going to. I'm not even saying I'm the person who understands all the nuances behind this. I just look at it. I'm like, oh, you're sports washing. And it's just a broad umbrella term that we've come to deal with, with like people with moral objections paying extra dollars in order to, you know, have Qatar Airlines advertising things in sports stadiums and having sponsorships and things like that. In a capitalistic society, all of this stuff is going to be gross. People can be bought it's and, and this is now globalization and capitalism all getting mixed together. It's all just really gross. And it's difficult to be a moralist around this. And so my instinct is just to say, stay away. And, and golf is already weird enough as it was. And, you know, the easiest way is to not spend, is not to spend money. Like the, the easiest way for the consumer to express their displeasure with a corporation is to withhold the dollar. The voice is secondary. We talked about this with Walter Mitchell and Joe Camo a little while back. Like Joe and I agree, like the voice is secondary to withholding the dollar when we're talking about a corporation. 
when it's a business that operates where the dollars don't matter and having fans doesn't matter in the short term. You can see the projection of what they're trying to do in the future and say, if I withhold the dollar now, I will continue to withhold the dollar in the future and just create that that chain reaction a little bit. But I just look at it and I'm like, well, what do you do if the if they don't care about your dollars? If that's not the type of dollars they're trying to go to and they're trying to attract the people with $250 million of advertising money from this business. And that's where they're trying to find some of their funding. If it's not about if it's not about the money and it's not about the consumer, then the consumer just has to kind of let it exist. And it's not something that's like so atrocious that I mean there are there are far greater travesties like the people who are being like journalists being bone sawed to death in Saudi Arabia, gay people being executed in Saudi Arabia, shitty record on women being able to be educated, poor human rights in Saudi Arabia and Qatar and China. Like those are the greater travesties than this that there are billions of oil dollars going to to the Saudi Arabia they're going to this Saudi Arabian backed golf league or going to buying a World Cup. Like there are greater travesties than that, but this is like global economics that's really difficult to break down because capitalism has its has its finger or has its like tentacles, I guess. I don't know, whatever. Capitalism has its things everywhere in all of this stuff, and it's hard to break down systems once they're already in place. And the U.S. government has become dependent, and, and Europe and Asia. If the world economy has become dependent on Saudi Arabian oil, and Saudi Arabia has become dependent on United States guns, and Saudi Arabia is going to take their fu money and go fund 9/11, then all of that just feels gross, feels negligent, and it's all just well beyond our control. So the easiest thing I can say is just not going to watch live golf. I'd encourage golf fans who might be willing to do that to not. It's the best the consumer can do in a circumstance where even their dollars and their eyeballs aren't what deem this league to be legitimate. You just don't know what to do. If they just have all the FU money in the world, just kind of got to let it exist and kind of adjust your expectations from there, especially if you want to be a moralist within these spaces. So that's all I have for today. Thank you for stopping in, everybody. Please leave a five-star review. Leave your comments on any of the podcasts we've done over the last week. I love engaging with you guys. Follow our socials. They're all in the link <laughs> that says CKSAML Productions. You can find all the links and such there. Check that out. Check out all the content we've had over the past week. Look out for more. I'm going to enjoy, I guess, a weekend of graduating college and not watch the Live Golf Tournament. So with that being said, everybody, thanks for stopping in. And as always... Take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.